Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to a mini-episode of Cinematic Universe. I'm Joe Cunningham and joining me to help bridge the gap between our... Batman Forever and Incredibles 2 podcasts are... Sir Patrick. And Reese Williamson. Reese, you're back for another another mini-episode. Hi. Another late dropout, so I'm here. Another another mini-episode where there isn't that much news to talk about, but I'm sure we'll bang on for an hour about nothing. Bring it on. Always good. No, yeah. no other plans. No other plans. <laughs> well, I, what I thought was I'd what I'd do because we've got to fill a bit of time this week because there's not much news. We've got a bit. We've got some stuff to talk about. Don't worry, listeners. Uh, but there's there's also a question that I think is on everyone's lips, and I thought that I should probably ask that question as I do on the main episodes, but on the mini episodes instead. So, Reseb, uh, help me to try and make sense of something that I don't understand. Is it coming home? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> if, we're do- if we're doing this crossover, does this mean I get to talk about Roy the Rovers? <laughs> you could, you could talk about whatever you want, Seb. We, 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 should, we, should, we are recording this on Thursday, so before potentially finding out that it's not coming home, or it might still yeah. be. Um, but we, uh, Reese, you've been watching the football. I have. We're all, we're all very excited. If if we've got any American listeners or non English listeners, we're very excited. <laughs> we are kind of just floating around on a cloud of Bedil and Skinner this week, <laughs> and it's glorious. It's filling the gap of there being a no comic book movie news and b no Ant Man and the Wasp, which is being released. In the US right now, and I'm not yes, happy but, about it. Yes, but Joe, do you know why it's? Do you don't know why it's not been released here? Because, because it's coming Cup. home. Because yeah, exactly. It's coming home. So you can't have both things. <laughs> but also, Joe, you can't things. complain too much because you've seen Incredibles too. I have seen oh, Incredibles too. Twist. Yeah, I um, I went to a Cineworld Unlimited secret screening um a couple of weeks ago, and um we. We had no idea what the film was going to be. Um, I've been to the secret screenings a couple of times before. Um, the last one I went to was full of nerds who were hoping it was going to be Ready Player One when it wasn't, and it was in fact Love Simon, a film that is far superior to Ready Player One. Um, half of the audience walked out, so that's uh-huh. the that's the kind of vibe you get there. Is like there's half of the people that are turning up hoping for something, and the other half who's turning up just to just hey, give me a movie. 
And I went to this and I was convinced it would be tag. I thought the dates made sense for tag. Um, like uh, the crazy wish was Incredibles 2, but it's never the one that you're, you're, that you're thinking, oh, that's the one that it would be great if it was. And then we walked in and there was a sign on the door that said epilepsy warning. And I'd been reading online <laughs> that week that Disney had had to belatedly add epilepsy warnings. Anyway, then I got inside and there was a flickering light on the wall, literally like a light that was just flickering on and off for 20 minutes before the film started. And I was like, I started to doubt myself. I was like, oh, maybe they've maybe they've put that up just because, <laughs> because they've, they've got, got a faulty light, light inside. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Pixar logo came up or the BBSC certificate screen for Incredibles 2. Um, and uh, and yeah, um, I was delighted, uh, but we I, I won't tell you too much what I thought about it, other than it's good, and uh, we'll we'll save it for the episode next week. Um, well, uh, also, I'll give you a little industry trivia. I, I work in the cinema, and so uh, I happen to know that there is another film, uh, I use film quite loosely, that is currently in, in theatres that also has an epilepsy warning, just one other, and it's the... The Muse concert film, uh, Muse Drones World Tour. Uh, so it could, you know, you might dodge a bullet there, unless you're a massive Muse fan. I don't know. No, I would, I would have walked out. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be such a great secret cinema, cinema world screening to do? Just like, yeah, just a concert film. From just a band. Muse concert film. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Incredibles to next week. For this week, though, we just moan about still not having Incredibles 2 or Ant-Man and the Wasp in cinemas in the UK. But if it comes home, it'll all be worth it. And um, guys, I, I'm considering that if uh, if England win the World Cup, I'm going to change my name from Joseph Cunningham to Joe It's Coming Home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. 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 Do we like that, it? That has been recorded now. Permanently? Yeah, there's no going Why? back. <laughs> do you, uh, do you mean to... your name or your Twitter name? Because that, I mean, that's very doable. And that's uh, my, my, that's my Twitter name. My Twitter name may have already changed to that by the time, <laughs> and and then changed back again after after we've no. But I say after we lose to Sweden, normally I would believe that, but this time you guys, it's different. They'll probably lose to Croatia in the semi-finals. That's probably no. what's going to yeah. happen. That's, right? I mean, I, th- I think no. I think Come the on. irony option is losing to Sweden after what happened with Colombia, but yeah. the realistic option is lose to Croatia in the semi-final. No, we're going to... The ball's going to bounce off the back of Harry Kane's head in the final and we're going to beat Brazil 1-0 after extra time. I don't think that's, I don't think that's impossible, uh, but I just... I'm, I wouldn't... I don't think it's like... There would, there would be a great irony in, you know, at a time when, uh, you know, Russia is completely interfering with the running of this country and... Is poisoning people on on British soil. Uh, that that England would then go and win a World Cup in Russia, meaning that forever we would actually have to associate Russia with good and positive things, <laughs> rather than the fact that they are completely, you know, tearing the world up at the moment. Yeah, their players um, d- 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 don't seem to tire in extra time. It's oh, weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. strange. Good energy um... bars there. Must be the energy bars. <laughs> Let's talk about um, some of the comic book movie um, and TV news that we do have. And um, because James isn't here, we can talk about it. I mean, Seb, I know it annoys you as well, but it annoys James more. Um, We've got some more casting for the Watchmen series, Damon Lindelof's um, HBO Watchmen series, which has been filming already. Um, I think most notably of the names that have been announced this week, Jeremy Irons has joined the cast. Um, Also joining the cast, um, 
are uh, Tom Meissen, who um, I think to me is best known. He played Ichabod Crane in the recent Sleepy Hollow TV series. Um, and also it's, uh, I, I, I think I butchered his name last time we talked about him on the podcast. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, who is um, due to play Black Manta in um, Aquaman next week. And uh, next week, later this year. And, um, <laughs> I was saying, that's, that's taken us by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> They've moved it forward. <laughs> um, the, Aquaman the one cares film, not for whether it's coming home. Yeah, the, the one film that, that the box office probably wouldn't be affected by the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and and yeah, the, the cast is kind of like slowly taking shape. Um, an actress called Sarah Vickers, who um, I'm less familiar with, but I believe is a British actress who stars in Endeavor, um, the the Inspector Morse prequel. Um, she's been casting it as well, and so it's taking shape. And I think the interesting one, the most interesting one, is Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons is obviously a big name actor and it feels a little bit to me like casting Anthony Hopkins in, in Westworld. Westworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another big like a really big kind of HBO production that I'm sure they are hoping is going to be their next Game of Thrones Westworld. Um, Does that mean that Anthony, Hop- that Anthony Hopkins to to, to Transformers: The Last Night is Jeremy Irons to uh, to the Justice League stuff. Is that, is that the equivalent? <laughs> I mean, that's entirely part two two actors that aren't are, are not afraid to cash a check in their no. in their later years. Um, but the I, the the rumor that I saw out there, which I I found interesting, was that Jeremy Irons could be playing an older Ozymandias. Uh We didn't talk about this. Um, when it when it was uh, reported a couple of weeks ago, but there were set photos that leaked, um, and it seems like this Watchmen series is set in kind of years on from the events of Watchmen, where kind of the public didn't really buy into what was happening, or, or didn't they? They were kind of hoodwinked, I guess. the The letter didn't didn't reveal anything, and they just kind of believe Ozymandias is. Um, version of events and Jeremy Irons could be Ozymandias. I think Seb, I think you would probably admit as much as you are not on board with this series the idea of Jeremy Irons as an as an older Ozymandias is intriguing. Yeah but as, as I may even have said before I think if you're going to cast an older Ozymandias why is it not Jude Law? Um, but no that's... Not, not old enough. Well... Makeup, um, no, yeah, I mean it's, it's yeah, I like Jeremy Irons, but um, I, I just, I'm just not interested, Joe. I'm sorry. Reese, you're <laughs> I'm interested, interested, right? I'm interested. Yes. I'm very interested because uh, Lost and The Leftovers are top five favorite TV shows ever, probably. Uh, and this is Lindelof, and this is a big HBO budget, and this is superheroes, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Bring it on! Yeah. I could, I could, I would, I would binge watch this show tomorrow. I'm, I'm eager for it. And uh, if it, if it's terrible and it shits all over Watchmen, I can just go and read Watchmen again. And that's just what it is. And I can enjoy it for Watchmen. Yeah, um, I re, I reiterate what I said on the on the podcast last time. If this is shit, and if any, if any Watchmen related thing is not very good, it. it it kind of doesn't matter because that doesn't tarnish the reputation of Watchmen. Watchmen still remains and is still with the with 
uh, was it Beyond Watchmen the comic and the um, and the Snyder film that neither of those have dented the legacy of Watchmen. It's still considered like one of the greatest graphic novels, one of the greatest com- pieces of comic book storytelling of all time. The only thing that I can see tarnishing the legacy of Watchmen at all is this being quite good, and mm-hmm. this and this kind of being considered in some way canonical. Uh, that's that's the only thing that I can see detracting. And um, I wonder whether yeah. I wonder whether the, the slight this. I mean, it's not it's not dramatic, but. Uh, around about uh, between three and five years, I think difference in age between me and Joe and uh, Seven James, maybe <laughs> goes toward explaining the the Watchmen thing, which is that I don't know what what image I had of Watchmen the original comic before the, uh, uh, before the kind of awareness of the film and even the production of the film kind of came in. So I wonder whether just that extra, let's say, five years. And and you know a heavier comics fan, especially versus you, Joe from Seven James, just it sort of it just solidifies what that original comic is without without any anything else existing, uh, you know. And then it was really that it was the it was the movie adaptation that then sort of that's been the start of of all these various things. And uh, I guess through my teenage years, they were just they were just always making Alan Moore comic adaptations, mm. they, and and Watchmen was just. Another one, and I knew it was the big one with the reputation, and I, I had read the graphic novel before that movie came out. Um, but yeah, they, they were just a. It, yeah, it, it didn't really hmm. bother me because it was just a fact that they made these Alan Moore comics and they made them into movies. Hmm. But that doesn't change the fact that anything Watchmen related that isn't the original 12 issue Watchmen series is not good or interesting no but what it does is it, it just maybe it just sort of maybe changes i mean i know i mean, I'm, your, I'm, I mean this, this is your memory of its reputation one's memory not... of its reputation right I well no because i because do you not think watchman still very much holds up if you read it and and everything no, that watchman is doing it still does i mean i, I mean i be, be clear i'm not especially because i don't want to get into it again i mean no <laughs> way getting into the the moral argument over this let's consider that one done and dusted sure. but the reason i find this difficult to get interested in as i've said before is just from a creative point of view no matter who's mm. doing it i just don't find the premise of what happens after Watchmen in any way interesting because it's not what Watchmen is about and it's not what Watchmen's world yeah, but this, was but this set is, up to do. But this isn't Watchmen. That's what I got. For me, this is almost Well, it like, is Watchmen because it's no, called Watchmen. No, but it's... And but it's, it's, and it's, it's set But it's that. not Watchmen. It's a, it's a sequel to Watchmen. Um, it's like, it's, it's aliens to alien. You you are t- you are putting a movie in the same world, and there are connections between the two. Um, but I mean, I, for me, it just seems like it's it's the setup of a kind of of a of a different kind of world, and then let's see yeah. what so, and, th- and then let's see what themes and stuff. Why is it Watchmen? It? If you said Damon Lindelof is doing a a superhero styled show for HBO. About yes, yeah, so, how it's, how it's the same of... reason. Why is it Westworld? Why is it Westworld? Because because that, if you because did that, that is, story, that... you would be sued by 
my if you did that story and filed the serial numbers off, you'd be sued by Michael Crichton's estate. No, I mean Michael Crichton did it to himself enough times, so I think it would be a bit rich. No, I know what you... you're saying is the answer to that question is because it's a recognisable name that will draw yes, people in because exactly. money. if it was an unfamiliar name. Yeah, this isn't getting um, made without the Watchman name on it. And who knows? And and you know what? Probably it's probably not getting Damon Lindelof's attention without the Watchman name on it. Yeah, true. But I don't think that makes it worth doing as Watchmen. I just think because it's not Watchmen <laughs> is is what it is what it comes back to. It can be as good as it might turn out to be. This is why, and again, in the example that I brought up when we've talked about it before, um, Pax Americana, the Grant Morrison thing, was a riff on Watchmen, but it wasn't calling itself Watchmen. Do we know what this show is called? Yeah, here's a question. Sam. Well, it's just would being you, referred would, to as Damon Lindelof's Watchmen TV. Would you show. be happy if this show ended up being called Not Watchmen? Would that? Would you be happy with that? <laughs> would that be all right with you? <laughs> but that would make even less sense because then it's, you know, <laughs> so it's the Watchmen logo. It's everything. It's just like, but a Comic Sans were not just just to the top left corner of it, and that's and that's the title. That's the logo. I'm just it's being reminded now of the fact that years ago, when when before Watchmen was first coming out, um, I did a, a photoshopped gag that was uh, DC's new edition of Watchmen, uh, which was called After Before Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I you know I I hope you guys find something to enjoy in it. Um, do you I... think there's do you think there's any scenario where you watch it, or you it's not going to happen for you? Um, let's see how it makes its way to these shores, and if it's on Amazon oh, Prime it, it, or Netflix. No, it will be on. No, it will be on Sky Scott Atlantic. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, I don't have Sky, so uh, I I will not have enough of an invested interest to find other ways to watch it. Sky Go. I could watch it on my tablet, I suppose. I know. But... I know a way that we could get that Damon Lindelof could get Seb to watch. Go on. You you cast in that kind of world. You cast John Hamm as a Superman esque figure. But then you might as well I, be doing Astro City. See, this is the thing. If it was, <laughs> if they went, if they went to Kurt Busiek and said, "We want to do this, this, uh, you know, this take on a on a superhero world," and uh, you know, uh, uh, John Hamm as Samaritan in an Astro City TV series, yes, please. Um, John Hammer's Supreme in a Supreme TV suit. There's an Alan Moore property that there's no moral quandary overdoing because Rob Liefeld would say, yes, please give me money. Anyway, um, Seb, it's fine. John Hamm's <laughs> not going to be in it. If you want to see no. John Hamm, you can go see Tag. Um, we'll move on <laughs> now to... I don't know, I don't know, because they played The Incredibles 2 instead. <laughs> um, we'll move on now to um, M. Night Shyamalan's Glass, Ooh. which got its... Uh, first poster. We could. We, this is. It's been out there forever. A week now. Um, we had enough news on the last main episode that we decided not to talk about it because I thought, ah, there'll probably be a trailer out soon. Um, <laughs> that hasn't been yet. So let's talk about the poster, which is uh, like it's split into three colours. There's a purple bit for Mister Class. There is a green bit for Mister Willis, and there is a yellow bit for Mister Split. Um, and um, it's. It's a really cool poster, you guys. So you see, you see the all three of them sat down. It looks like Mister Glass is in almost like m- medical garb, like he's still in kind of like some kind of asylum for the criminally insane. Uh, Bruce Willis's character is in chains; his hands are chained to the ground. Obviously, that's mm. not the 
that's not the situation we left him in at the end of, uh, well, I was going to say Unbreakable, uh, at the end of Split, when we saw him, he was just out and about in public. And then it's it's tougher to get the vibe from James McAvoy's character. It looks like he's just in some gym jams, maybe? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But um, it, he's obviously got multiple personalities, so that could be one of various characters. But then there's the reflection of them all in the floor, and Mr. Glass is in his like classic long leather coat. Um, Bruce Willis is in his big old anorak and uh, James McAvoy is in his, like, beast persona from the end of um, Split, where he is all really pumped and ripped and just wearing uh, just wearing some yellow pants from the waist down. And the tagline is... Does he physically can- transform in this, as someone who's not seen Split? Um, spoilers for Glass, if you don't already... So, for Split, if you haven't already seen it, but it's been out long enough now, I think. Yes. Uh, not outrageously but they keep talking about this like final persona that hasn't come out yet that's the beast that all of the other split personalities are terrified of and he kind of becomes like yeah big and muscular and veiny and insanely strong and pretty much just wants to eat um and you tell joy uh, <laughs> it seems like um so yeah he's at, like and that's why it makes sense that I don't know, I, you, you feel like this might be a Silence of the Lambs riff where the main villain is McAvoy and that Willis comes to Jackson for help. Mm. Which would be pretty cool. Uh, just those three above the title, but Anya Taylor-Joy is in this as well. Um, I'm... This this poster makes me feel confident about the movie. It looks... that The poster is cool. I like what it's doing. Um... And I'm just enjoying the stage of his career that M. Night Shyamalan is in right now. He is He's on the comeback curve, and for all of the terrible movies that he made in the middle of his career, and he made like three or four of them, he made, in the early 2000s, he was like one of the like auteurs of American mainstream cinema. He was phenomenal. Um, the the Sixth Sense is amazing. Unbreakable's really great. Signs is good for the majority of its runtime. The Village has its moments. Um, don't don't you just think though that like you know Unbreakable was just this kind of perfect self-contained story, and I don't think it's fair to M Night Shyamalan for for them to go ahead and and make a new thing kind of set in the same universe. And it's like <laughs> why do why don't they just do something with new characters rather than like dredging up his characters against his wishes? Are you arguing against yourself, Seb? <laughs> Doesn't work, Seb, because he made all three. Uh, you wouldn't be saying that about After Watchmen if Alan Moore was was the showrunner, would you? Would you? Yeah, yes, what? yes, Reese. That that was that was the joke. I know that it's him doing it. That was the joke. <laughs> it was a little joke. What if it wasn't? Would you still be excited? I probably wouldn't be That's excited. That's a good question. I probably wouldn't be as excited for it because I am. I'm. What if it was on... Damon Lindelof doing it? Oh yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. <laughs> I mean, not directing. Mm, uh, I'd, yeah, I'd give him a shot. I'd give him a shot. But yeah, um, I'm. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Shamland does now that he's kind of on his, like his kind of B movie horror stretch of his career. Um, but do you yeah. uh, do you think that Shyamalan has has done enough good things to make you think that this is going to be another one of those? Or isn't it true yeah. that it's really it's just two it's just two isn't it? it's like two good ones 
and then the, then three ago was was uh, I don't know was a bad one, isn't it? Yeah, it's, but it it feels like has, no, it feels like there has been a perspective shift with him. Okay, uh, because after a, so I, I mean I could talk about Enright Shyamalan's career for for literally hours, but after <laughs> it feels like a a director trying to play nice with Hollywood again and going, yeah, I'll turn up or make the film you want me to make. It's that what well, it's a vehicle that Will Smith can hand over the action reins to Jaden. Sure. Yeah. I'll turn up. I'll do it. That's fine. Then he goes off and makes his little lower budget horror movie. That's actually kind of pretty cool and gnarly and really suspenseful and, um, imaginative and has great performances and kind of reminds you of all of the things that you liked about M night Shyamalan in the first place. And then he gets a bit of a budget again, and Split is, a, again, really effective B-movie horror. Um, that, yeah, okay. uh, th- this is this is not, uh, not only am I looking forward to it, this is the movie that I am glad he's making now. It feels like he's, it feels like he's re-earned his stripes, and now he gets a chance to, yeah, kind of re-attack the superhero genre in a time where it's really ripe for doing so. Um, and, yeah, bring it, bring a bit of horror into it at hmm. the same time. But it could be bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but every yeah, movie could. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm not. I guess I'm not quite as confident as you are. But uh, you know, hope springs eternal. Uh, for me, it's always been he's been he's ne- he's never lacked the filmmaking talent, but he's been a victim of his own hype, and I don't think he is that anymore. I'm excited, you guys. So that's Glass coming January eighteenth. Not, not even that far away. Um, a, a couple of points very quickly until we move on to Comics Corner. Um, James Wan is going to be directing the Swamp Thing pilot, Seb. Um, we knew he was producing <laughs> That's it. That's such a weird has... sentence. That's just such a weird <laughs> sentence. Just another another bloody Alan oh Moore God. project that they've decided <laughs> to take. <laughs> Apparently he's directing it alongside Darren Serafian, who um, is a director with... Uh, I think he's best known for his work on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, so he's a hot talent. I, I, he's a I, <laughs> hot recent talent. <laughs> well, uh, more recently, he directed a lot of the episodes of Hemlock Grove for oh, Eli Roth, okay. and I interviewed him on the set of Hemlock okay. Grove. So we can't I'm now trust. It. We can't really trust your opinion on this. You will be biased. You've met the guy. <laughs> oh no, he, he seemed he seemed perfectly pleasant, uh, but. Hemlock Grove was the kind of show that even though I'd flown to Canada and watched an episode being filmed, that episode was the penultimate episode of the season. And one and a half episodes into the season, I went, I am never going to make it to watch what I saw being filmed. (laughs) Turned it off and never watched it again. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so um, James Wan's directing um, alongside Serafian and uh, this... This DC Universe stuff, they are spending a lot of their money up front, um, even before it comes, before any of the series debut on the platform. And apparently, Seb, um, DC are rumoured to be considering Kelsey Grammer for a role in Doom Patrol. (laughs) You'd have to assume he'd be, um, uh, well, ironically, (laughs) not. Could he have been Swamp Thing? Sorry, I was saying, could he have been Swamp Thing? Oh, uh, no! I was just thinking that he'd be um, uh, Professor Niles, which would be which, really funny mm-hmm. because which would be delightful. Uh, that is his name, isn't it? In Doom Patrol, Professor Niles. 
Niles Calder. That's it. The chief, not the professor. Uh, Dr. Niles Calder, known as the chief. So if Kelsey, I mean, Kelsey Grammer would be a fantastic fit for that character, actually. And Um, anyone who's slightly right wing nut would be perfect fit for a universe that has been established by Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm quite torn though. I'm quite torn on this DC Universe thing, if that's what we're calling it. Is that what's that what it's called? DC. That's the, the that's the app? that's the name of it. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Horrible. Anyway, but fine. Because I I've been I, I I actually I bought an iPad like nine months ago, almost exclusively to just to get the Marvel Unlimited app on it and to be reading all the Marvel shit that from the last ten years that I sort of missed out on. And uh, mm-hmm. that's what I've done, and I, I've loved it. It's amazing. And I, but I, God, I would love a DC equivalent, and you know, sort of talk in but the early not days. <laughs> no, but it's going to be something in between, and and but dependent it's, on mm. depending on what that is. I'm, I wonder whether and how much the whole service is. I wonder whether still it might it it might appeal to Reese Reese comic book reader, or, or Reese would love to sort of stream some DC comics. It Man. might. It, it sounds like the kind of thing because it sounds like what they're doing is that it's going to the comics content will be relatively small selection and it'll be rotating, but it sounds like they'll be like you know selecting, um, you know topical things to put up. Um, it sounds to me that for someone like you, Reese, a lot of the stuff that's on there will be stuff you will likely have already read. Um, I hope that they put some gems and stuff on there. I mean. Even as someone who's read a lot of DC Comics, there's also a lot of DC Comics that I haven't read, and I would absolutely love a Marvel Unlimited style service. Uh, I would get so much more out of it than uh, than I do out of Marvel Unlimited, which I, you know, still do find very useful and, and great stuff to dig into on there. Um, somebody made the point on Twitter; it may have been a uh, friend, Andrew Hickey, uh, who said that the the reason why DC probably wouldn't do that is that DC are much better at at selling books. Of their stuff, hmm. they keep stuff in print more, uh, or rather, they put stuff in print more. Actually, no, keeping it in print is a problem. They publish more in the way of backlist stuff, um, archive editions, collections of stuff, reissues of collections of stuff, and their stuff sells so much better in bookshops than Marvel's does. Marvel's trade, the entirety of Marvel's trade organization is is shoddy. It's it's a mess, and actually, I think that's why uh, you know, speaking as someone who's worked on one of them for several years, those subscription books do so well for Marvel because they're one of the best ways to actually get collected trade editions of Marvel books, uh, which isn't the case for DC. Um, now, DC do have a problem with some of it, which is firstly they have an annoying habit of putting out an edition of something and then it going out of print very quickly before you've had a chance to get all of them. So I still don't have a complete run of Hitman trades. Um, I remember buying the the Starman hardcovers, but then I but I was missing them because they were coming out every six months, and I was getting them at the end of the year for for birthdays and Christmas and. By the time I'd missed one of them and got the next one, the previous one, you already couldn't get hold of for love nor money, and now they're completely out of print. Um, there's things like that where they they sometimes don't keep stuff in print as much as they should. There's also a lot of stuff, and and again, I think DC are better for Marvel, uh, better than Marvel for this of a complete kind of self-contained run of something from start to finish you know a kind of a a 40 50 60 issue run largely by the same creative team or based around the same character um you know that's a series that began and ended at a certain point there there feels to me like there's more of that stuff sitting in dc's archives that if you're paying a subscription for something you go oh fantastic you know i can read all 40 50 issues of the the roger stern starman or i can read dan jurgen's booster gold from the 80s and that kind of thing you know these, these blocks of runs that you don't tend to find in books um but that it would be really nice to dig into. So I, I would love that, 
but I think that stuff there isn't enough of it because what DC would see as what people would want to pay money for is the big prestige stuff and the big prestige stuff is out there it's on comiXology it's in bookshops um you know i mean DC's archive on comiXology is so much better than Marvel's probably because they don't have Marvel unlimited so um i'd love it i can see why they're not doing it I hope they change their minds. I hope that what they do do on there in terms of comics does well and inspires them to put more on. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I do love... I mean, imagine if we what we get to is to sort of like a, a MUBI, M-U-B-I, but for DC comics. Wouldn't that be great? Like, it's curated and it's it sort of... It, it rotates, but at mm. any point you can sort of log in and you and you just get, you know, 30 kind of great, you know, full trades. Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking as someone who's read most of the major stuff, I'd like it if it contained more obscure stuff or Mm. or stuff that's harder to get hold of. I feel like probably, yeah, this idea, as I say, for for people, maybe maybe even not quite like you, Reese, but maybe more like Joe, um, I think there's real potential there to say, here's the stuff you should be reading. But then, but then the issue with that is, I've, I feel like that that curated thing that can narrow that field. It's like there's a there's a generally accepted canon, and actually there's a lot more stuff beyond that that's worth digging into, but that doesn't get spotlighted in the same way. You know, just, how many how many times can someone tell you that you should read Batman Year One and Watchmen and V for Vendetta? You know, I just wonder whether there's going to be enough on this platform to justify the outlay because <laughs> yeah i don't right th- i don't think yeah i don't i don't think there'll either be enough comics on its own to justify paying for it for comics no. or good tv to justify paying for it for well, tv so, uh, apparently on top of the the new film so obviously the, i think the main the main parallel you can make is with cbs all access which kind of launched with the, it, it's big marquee thing is star trek discovery there's no denying that the good Fights the Good Wife spin-off was the other one, um, and then the 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 thought is that you get people in with that, and they stay for the back catalogs of all of your CBS shows that you've got on there. So you've mm. got kind of all your old episodes of Big Bang Theory, or you know, I don't know, whatever all your other CBS shows are that people that people are coming to watch. Um, mm. Now, the DC Mentalist. Universe is going to have some. It's well, going actually, to have like some of the old films. It's going to have the Batman films, the Superman films. It's going to have Batman the Animated Series. Mm. It's going to have Lois and Clark and Wonder well, I was going to ask, I was wondering about things like Lois and Clark because I was looking at the, the banner thing that they've got on the website and there's actually more than I thought in terms of, yeah, they've got an image of Wonder Woman, uh, Wonder Woman 70s, Constantine's on the Justice League cartoon. I couldn't see stuff, Lois and Clark's. That's an that stuff isn't, that stuff is not, it's going to, it has to be the, exclusive new content that is what will drive the the success of this service right so that's yeah but well that's that's what will drive that's what will drive signups but then you've got to retain mm-hmm. those people so i i might i might have signed up for netflix in the first place because i wanted to see such and such a show but now i know that anytime i log into netflix there's probably something on there that i'm going to watch or that i'm going um... to want to watch um it seems it seems like this is it's I think the animation is going to, on its own, kind of secure somewhat of a fan base, and it will be. Yeah, I think I think it might it might actually come down to what they're able to do with the comics and how and and maybe even just the functionality of the app. But um, you know, DC are owned by an enormous company; they can probably afford to weather mm. a loss making service for a while if it if it builds into what they're hoping it builds into. 
I wonder why they don't. Point, actually, mm. when you uh, when you look on the site where it says about the films, it says really the DC films that made you a fan with a rotating library of hits, and it's like even even the stuff where it's like you know these Warner Brothers films, they, there's obviously licensing issues where they can't just permanently have the rights to have the Superman movie or the Tim Burton Batman movie up there. Mm. But it's a it's a big choice. I mean, like one wonders whether they whether if because it, it's Warner's, you know, there would have been a decision at some point to have it be a DC thing as opposed to a Warner's thing, right? Cause, 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 cause if you've got all, you've got the Warner's library behind you, you've got all the Warner's money that's paying for it all, you know, is there not some alternate reality where it's a, it's a Warner's service with a load, you know, a load of DC stuff that is, that appeals to, it, it kind of like Netflix is, right? Where you, you have the, the, the Marvel stuff that's on Netflix, but there's other stuff there as well. Yeah, because I mean, the difference is if I if I logged on to Netflix and got two episodes into the newest season of Luke Cage and was like, oh, I'm I'm not really <clears> feeling this. I can turn it off and yeah. I can watch the new series of Glow or the new yeah. series of Queer Eye or all of the Fast and Furious films that have just been added last last week. Um, if I'm logging into DC Universe and I I get two episodes into Titans and don't like it, the rest of the stuff has to be mm. pretty compelling for me to want to stick around. Mm. Interesting. Do we have a date on on that? Well, starting? it's 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 not it going to be. I was going to say this is all moot for us anyway because it's not launching in the UK, uh, at least not to begin with. It's it's US. Yeah, but I I would assume it will that DC will do a similar thing that um, CBS All Access did with Star Trek Discovery, which is to find another host for that for oh i'm sure they will yeah the, the, the content the content will get out there in other ways but this but yeah. the service well i know you know it's a shame because i would be interested in in exploring the service but it looks like to answer your actual question Reese, it looks like it's um uh, uh august for the beta hmm. and then later in the year hmm. for a kind of full setup but and, and do um, they have is there pricing yet at least in, in, in dollars is that out there i don't think so no no I don't think they'll Anything, announce price yeah. until they fully announce the the content. Sure. Anything over ten, and this is this is done, right? No. It has to come in under well, ten. Surely, Disney Disney Life is five quid, and I think that's the benchmark for something like this because it's not Netflix, it's not Amazon, it doesn't have that range of content. I don't think you can justify. I'm not sure you could even justify ten. Um, does it have Moana? Uh, does Disney Life? Yeah. Almost certainly. That's hmm. all that matters. Hmm. <laughs> What's Marvel Limited? Eight? Netflix in the UK's ten? What's he, what, see, I wonder... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. CBS, do we know what CBS All Access is, All Access is in the US? I think it might be $8.99, but I've yeah. also pulled that, that's, that out of my bum. That's the number, right? I think, Seb, it's not five. It's, it's more like eight or nine, probably. for this. Anyway, who knows? And it and it won't come here anyway. But I'm you know curious because they know because this this play is for the it's for the nerds right and so they their their players will 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 basically make will give enough stuff that these guys need so that we can charge more for it. You know that's how it starts. It's not a mainstream product at the beginning. It's appealing to to this, this to how CBS appealed to the Star Trek nerds. Those nerds they need to see Discovery so you can charge more for that service. Yeah. It's 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 cheeky, uh, but uh, but you know you I, I mean I I look at the services in this country. I mean I'm a subscriber to Netflix and Amazon Prime, and Star Trek Discovery just dropped in my lap, which was amazing. Um, mm. And I was I was scrolling through Amazon Prime the other day. Uh, I had no idea Cloak and Dagger is going up on there, and mm. I was like, oh uh, well, that's a show that probably could quite easily have passed me by. It's right there. I can at least give the pilot a go, and I probably will. Black Lightning just turned up on Netflix, didn't it? So, uh, and that, but that's what DC Universe will have to compete with in the US as well, to a lesser extent because they have more services than we do. But it has to compete against people are not going to pay for unlimited services. They're going to pay for the ones that they that are either perfect for them or have an, have just enough to keep them. Keep that keep that amount of money mm. being direct debited out every month. But this, this or just hope that people forget. No, sure. Forget, yeah, forget you subscribed. But it's so weird. It's such a diff- it's such a different world that we la- you know a, a different world that we now live in versus like like three years ago where where most people probably just just had a Netflix subscription, maybe a Spotify, and now it, it just feels like it's a whole different ball game. Where do, do you remember are- when? Netflix in the US announced that they were splitting up the streaming mm. and DVD services yeah. and the <laughs> outcry was enormous mm. like oh my d- you don't understand what you're doing with your service Netflix you fundamentally misunderstand what customers want yeah we just we do you know what I think we need to understand as like consumers that some occasionally we will be right about this kind of stuff. But it's like every time Twitter does some kind of major redesign, and six months later, after we've all bitched and moaned, we go, "Actually, do you know, it's really nice not having to try and fit into 140 mm-hmm. characters." <laughs> Although they are the worst in a lot of other ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, speaking of Netflix, Netflix snaps up the rights to uh, Lucifer. They are going to just put together a two-episode season finale to uh, tie up that show. I don't think we need to talk about it. It's just kind of nice for the fans that liked that show and that that's the thing that can now like happen to lots of shows these days, that they can just they can kind of find a way through to like ending the story for their fans more often than not. Or um, if you're being if you're being cynical <laughs> and you're tying into our previous conversation, it's it's just this sort of it's that way that Netflix is just looking at you know smaller and smaller niches. Then they they they'll there'll be yeah. some met, there'll be some metric that says X amount of Lucifer fans aren't Netflix subscribers. What how, what's the what's the sort of least amount of money we can spend on more Lucifer to get people sign well, up that, for Netflix? And that's kind book. of nakedly been Netflix's yeah. approach yeah. to original content since they started. Oh. I mean, um, it this uh, seems very badly dated now, but to begin with, Netflix said, "Do you know what our algorithm says that people like? It says that they like uh, political shows." And they like Kevin Spacey films. So let's put those two things together. Hey, it's Kevin Spacey in a political TV show. And they also like David Fincher films, so we'll get him to direct. And like, and then they paid all of the money to make sure that it happened. Mm. Um, and it's working for them. They're like worth more than Apple now. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Um, comics Corner, you guys, uh, be- before we uh Just before, before we go into Comics up. Corner, oh. uh, Moana is not on Disney. <laughs> Oh, she's made way. <laughs> Moana made way. So what? So what is on and what isn't on Disney Live? Is it just? Is it no, random? No, no, we're not. We don't need to get. We don't need to get into the catalogue of Disney Live right now. It we're seems to on. be pretty much everything except Moana. Uh, it's fine, you guys. She made way. Is there like a separate Moana uh, streaming service that's just Moana and it's the same price, but it's just <laughs> it's Mo- Moana Live? I think Moana might be on Netflix. <laughs> hey, you guys, watch yeah. Moana for watch God's Moana sake. Is the best. Well, I would, it's but the it's best. not on Disney Live. Go off. Go, I want all of you to go off. I want you to yeah. consider the coconuts, and I want you to watch Moana tonight. You just It's not on Netflix either. Um, <laughs> hey, be cool like me. Own the Blu-ray. Also, last year I uh, rewrote... Uh, I literally rewrote the entire first chorus and verse of Moana to fit in with Black Panther. T'Challa, make way, make no, way. No, we don't need to hear I it. I, I believe you did it. We don't need to hear it. It's fine. <laughs> I love how, oh, we're not getting into the intricacies of the Disney Life catalogue. We're not going to get into songs from more. Yeah, I can, I, can always Black I can always sing for the podcast, guys. It's fine. I feel like the the time is now to do a sort of some sort of a Moana and uh, and it's coming home mashup, Joe. And that is your job. It's your job oh. to do that. Not like live, but you could you can prepare it. I'm. The cogs are turning, Reese. He's cogs, thinking about it. He's turning. thinking about it. Can I go yeah. viral? Can I be the next Homeward Bound clip on Twitter? <laughs> He's thinking about it. <laughs> That's the best one, uh, by the way. That is the best one. Comics Corner, you guys. Uh, <laughs> Batman 50 was released last week, and um, you guys are going to briefly talk about it because it was. it's kind of a... Uh, probably one of the biggest events in comics recently in terms of got, getting people talking about it. Partly because the New York Times talked about most of it prior to its release um i uh, seb i said this off mic i don't really understand comics pr i work in marketing and i don't really understand the pr that goes on around the release of 
big comic books. Like, why do we need to know that a character is dying, like, the week before they die? Or why do we need to know that a character who has been long gone is returning on the pages of Bleed It Cool rather than the pages of a Marvel... Bleeding Cool rather than the pages of a Marvel comic? I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, I think it is done for... You know, if, if a big thing happens in a comic that is not otherwise trailed as happening in that comic then obviously i can see why even though it ruins it for those of us who would have bought it anyway i can see why they would want to say look people you need to go out and, and but buy can't this they do like comic. a like a but, next week on lost thing lost used to go like next week on lost one of these characters will die oh and yeah but yeah like, but lost nick that from Mr. comics have you never seen the cover of the <laughs> issue in which gwen stacy dies <laughs> yeah but so why do, so why don't they do that um why don't they go but, to, why don't well, they go no, to is, the new york times and say one like something it's not, massive it's is not news this week. well this it's is not news this is what i'm this is what i'm saying right i got right i can i can understand trailing something when uh when it would inspire people to pick something up where they wouldn't. With something like this, it is bizarre because this that issue... That New York Times piece wasn't news. Yeah, this, no, this issue has been built up to as the wedding issue. There is all, This this was already going to sell a bucket load because it's the big landmark mm. wedding issue. Um, I gather that the reason why Marvel put it out to the New York Times so early DC. was uh, because it leaked. And so they were. It was damage control, basically. But I think the plan was always for there to be a story on it before it came out, which is ridiculous because you know the whole premise of the issue is: are they going to get married or not? Now I've never believed for a second that they, as someone who has been reading this run from the start and and knowing, seeing the shape of what this run is about, it was obvious that they weren't going to get married. As interesting a, a premise as it would be, and knowing already from from Superman that it doesn't spoil these characters to put them in that situation. Although I think. With Batman and Catwoman, it's a very different situation. So I knew they weren't going to. It's still annoying to have that ruined in the press beforehand. I, and um, but then also you have the reveal the... of the the actual last page of the issue, which is a much much bigger. If you're actually following the story, if you're not following the story, it's irrelevant. But if you'd be following Tom King's run for the previous forty nine issues, the last page of this issue is absolutely enormous. It's a complete and total game changer that undercuts and sheds fresh light on pretty much everything that's happened in the entire run since it started but this, again Seth, and to so go to give back that to the... away is just ridiculous i mean but i don't i don't, that's what I don't understand well no I, I don't understand it either i because... i liken it to to the way that you you get soap storylines granted to the newspaper they're not they're not leaked to the newspapers they're revealed in the newspapers but by way of the about, production but that's the channel that is what soap watchers want they want to be able to buy those magazines read about them and then watch it happen comic book readers don't want this are you sure because have you seen the way people discuss it i think actually comic book readers and soap opera fans are not a million miles apart because i've got news for you comic books are soap operas can i can i I also pitch in something interesting i started this this little bit on the side of this these spoilers were bad what were they for but then, actually, as Seb was talking, I realised that I today bought Batman Fifty. I read that coverage, and I'm, I may I might not have bought it if it it's not so much what, what that I knew that that I, I knew information about the comic that made me want to buy it or you know sort of plot, but but truthfully, the coverage of it got in my attention more. That comic was has been in my head more this week 
than if in the, than if that press wasn't out there. And I ended up buying the comics. I kind of wonder if I'm a I'm an example of of why they do this. Maybe right? it, I mean but, I, when I say I don't understand it, I. I I, I'm aware there must be because they do it with regularity and it's not just the DC that does it. It's it's both of the major publishers. There must be a financial imperative to it. And I don't know whether just like Wednesday sales are so important, whether they're like the opening weekend of a movie. But because what you could do is you could release the issue on Monday, on the Wednesday and then from Thursday on go on a mad press PR blitz because all of the outlets still want to be on your side. Um, I think to well, some point, uh, that was honest, probably what they were going to so do when it leaked out. It's it's actually re- it's it's irrelevant to DC how many copies of a comic get sold in in a particular week because the comic shops have already bought them and comics are non-returnable. Um, so so, that, so I don't get it. Yeah, then I don't get it. It just it it's, feels strange to me. And the idea about it leaking inches, first. It's to get it's to get people talking about it. It's that that's all it is. It's to get people talking about it. And here's what hap- Here's what goes down in the Batman issue. It gets people talking about it more than here's what might happen in the but, Batman like, issue. But TV shows and movies are able to get people talking about them before release without giving away major plot details. So you're, I, just, you're, I wonder you're, why you're, comics can't. <laughs> you're talking to me like I have an explanation for this, or, no, or no, like I, I, I agree with it being a good thing. I'm, I'm completely with you. I think it's stupid. As a reader, it annoys me. Marvel did it a, a week or two ago, because Marvel had a big wedding issue coming up that had a massive... The twist in that wedding issue was so big that they had to keep secret the name of a new ongoing series, that the new ongoing X-Men series that they were launching. And the reason for that is, I think it's been out long enough that, uh, that I can spoiler it for those who haven't heard, the issue of X-Men Gold was supposed to be the wedding of Kitty Pride and Colossus. Uh, they don't go through with the wedding, but instead uh, Rogue and Gambit um, spontaneously decide to get married and the new series that's launching is Mr. and Mrs. X and is a Rogue and Gambit ongoing. And what Marvel did was... Um, they held the announcement of that until after they had announced... The idea, I think, was to hold the announcement until after the issue had come out, and then they'd go, hey, this is what this is. What actually happened was they announced before the issue came out that Rogue and Gambit were getting married and that Kitty and Colossus weren't. So they just they just can't help. These Both companies can't help just shooting themselves in the foot I, with this but stuff. I, I don't think understand you... it. I don't... So that's what I... What I'm saying is, what what my point is... I don't understand this. I'm not sure they are shooting themselves in the foot. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is a good reason for doing it. I would love to read the interview with whoever from either DC or Marvel that goes into detail about why this is a good thing that's worth doing. But it's the other, worth the other noting thing, Jota... that, um, that Tom Sorry. King has uh, been very publicly not happy about this on Twitter. I mean, he hasn't come out and said this shouldn't have been done. But uh, if you read between the lines of how he's talked about it on Twitter, he's evidently not happy about it. But I think that comes back to it was leaked before it went properly public. I mm-hmm. I, I also so two things two things one I mean uh, like whether the whether knowing what happened affects the quality of the issue. I knew what happened, including that last page, and and it's. And its context. Having not read any of the other run, I read Batman Fifty, and I kind of I loved it. So you know, take that for the. It's a it's a very good issue if you like and get on with what Tom King has been doing really well in this run, which is writing the characters well 
uh, doing this thing of coming at it because uh, the, the way the issue is structured is it jumps between scenes that are people getting ready for the wedding and letters from Batman and Catwoman to each other are kind of on alternating pages and the letters are done as captions over pin-up art by a wide range of artists including uh, Frank Miller's in there um, uh, Tim Sale is back but but Tim Sale's one isn't very good Paul Pope. Uh, there's a Be- yeah, Paul Pope's in there. There's a Becky Cloonan one is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, Amanda Connor, brilliant. There's Neil Adams one actually. It's one of the better things I've seen from Neil Adams. The art is is great throughout, apart from the Tim Sale one, which is really disappointing. And it's weird because like, it's Raphael not it's not Kirky one as well. It's not one. It's not one image, is it? It's like he's mm, done just he's, like a page of done, comics. He's got, it's weird. Yeah multiple anyway. panels in it. and it also runs through the kind of different Batman and Catwoman costumes like they're all from kind of different yeah. eras so, so I do think that. that was a weird page yeah um, but and Reese, if you like um, uh, that that alternating narration thing uh, when you get to it you'll love the Superman two-parter um, the the which is just one of the best things I've read with either of those characters in mm. for a very long time. Okay. So yeah, as a you know, in terms of nailing the character stuff, there's a lovely page with Bruce and Alfred. That's just I, yeah. I think oh, Alfred's I been almost the best thing up about reading that. King's run. Yeah, um, it's gorgeous. But you know, it's a, it, it's 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 a really good issue. I'm glad you read it yeah. and enjoyed it. I think some people were a bit disappointed with it because of how things played out after what had been built up to. But I think it totally makes sense in the context of what's going on. Um, and as I say, you know what what I think Tom King's run is about overall, and will ultimately turn out to be about. This is an obvious step in in that process, basically. So um, yeah, it, it it delivered kind of what what I expected out of it. Well, and I had already had the big twist spoiled, and I don't mean <laughs> the not getting married twist. <laughs> I don't I, even, I, was... I don't even think we I don't even think we'll talk about that one because if 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 anyone is still going to read it or is going to read Tom King's run from the start, then, I mean, this is very much the, uh, the you know, this is the halfway point of the run, Tom King has said, and this is very much the boom, end of season cliffhanger, is is all I'll say. Yeah. I also want to say that, just to, real quick, Joe, what you're saying before about um, kind of comparing comic press and comic fandom to TVs, to movies, I, I, I feel like I learned a long time ago that it's, for whatever reason, it, it's 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 not the same. That you the analogs are not the same. That that there's just mm. there's basically weird stuff that drives comic book. And I mean I mean sort of you know buys of the buys of the Wednesday comics. You know, uh, it's 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 it, the, the, the 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 kind of the reason that those people are in those stores buying those comics or or on their iPads buying stuff. It it doesn't seem to be quite the same way as people showing up for Hollywood. Or, or you know maybe it's just that the audience is is niche. You know so so. If if a movie's a big hit, it's a, it's appealed to everybody. Whereas if comics are big hit, they've appealed to somebody way way more specific, and and they've appealed to those people in way more specific ways. I I, I, don't, I don't have a good point on this, but I think the sort of TV analog isn't quite isn't quite right. Yeah, I, I for me it's uh, it's just I'm seeking to understand. I. I... I know it must be happening for a reason, but I'm I'm obviously not close enough to comics or not close enough to the economics of comics to understand how it works. Because even the leak thing doesn't really make sense to me. Like, it was leaked, but then the New York Times piece that went out originally went out with all of the details apart from the last twist. So why, if it's been, if, if you know it's been leaked, why not just give the New York Times everything rather than just 
the majority. It's 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 very interesting. I can't pretend to understand it. Um, the only yeah. other thing I just want to say, by the way, from a, a general point of view, the quality of comics is uh, spinning out of this. Also launched this week was a new Catwoman ongoing series, uh, written and drawn by Joelle Jones, who's been drawing quite a lot of issues of the Tom King run, usually Catwoman centric issues. Um, Joelle Jones is absolutely fantastic. Uh, she's wonderful as an artist. Like, I legitimately think she's one of the absolute best artists working in comics at the moment. And based on the evidence of Catwoman 1, she can write as well. So that's really worth picking up, but has been one of the better things to come out of this run as well. So, And also, as soon as killing? they announced that there was going to be a Catwoman solo ongoing, I was like, oh, well, that means they're not mm. getting married then. Um, and sure enough. <laughs> hey, that was Comics Corner, you guys. Uh, we move on now to our final section, which is the pitch. And we have two pitches that we need to do this week. Um, the first one is going to be Seb versus Reese. Ah. <laughs> and the second one is going to be Seb versus uh, Andrew Ellard, who um, has <laughs> sent in his pitch um, from, from from last week's episode. Um, and so Seb's going to have to go up against that. Um, the first one you guys, from, from back on our Men in Black episode, which neither of you were on, um, <laughs> is um, I think I uh, said, you were telling me, you went back and listened to what I actually said the first time. I wrongly quoted myself on the <laughs> Batman Forever episode. You what did. I want is a comic book movie based on a comic book that I've never heard of. Anything. So, Seb, you you can go first, and then we'll give Reese a chance to think of any old nonsense. Well, tell you what, I, I'm going to do it by the premise that you wrongly did it as, and which is a much narrower and more limiting premise uh, that you said it as at the end of the Batman Forever episode. Uh, and I'm going to pitch a movie um, based on a comic that you didn't know was a Marvel comic. Although, if it oh. turns out that you did know about it, then it's scuppered. Uh <laughs> I would like to see a movie of Bill and Ted's excellent comic book. I no, had no idea. <laughs> I'm excited. Tell me more. So, uh, when Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey came out, Marvel Great Comics movie. published an adaptation of it, um, written and drawn by Evan Dorkin, who's most famous kind of as an underground cartoonist and known for a series called Milk and Cheese, among other things. He wrote a fantastic thing called Beasts of Burden more recently, a few years ago. Um, in and of itself, the Bogus Journey adaptation is great. Um, it's actually based on like an earlier version of the script than got filmed, so there's scenes in it that, that, that never made it to the film. Um, but then he carried that on into a, I think it's a 12-issue uh, ongoing series called Bill and Ted's Excellent Comic Book. Um, and it was just great. It really it, it nailed the spirit of the films with kind of a bit of the, of the cartoon series thrown in as well. But, you know, death is a recurring character in it. Um, but then, like, characters from the first films, like Abraham Lincoln and Socrates and Joan of Arc and stuff all pop up. And it's so just great. this... Yeah, so great. And it's just this this fun, freewheeling, um, ludicrous, over-the-top ideas. Uh, Denomalous turns up again towards the end as well. Uh, it's just, it, it gets really weird towards the end. Um, but it's great. And it, it actually got republished recently, not by Marvel, uh, because Boom Studios uh, picked up the rights to do new Bill and Ted comics. And along with that, they got the rights to republish the old Marvel stuff. So, they, so they've reprinted it in a lovely hardback edition that I'm holding right now. It's also the first time it's been reprinted in colour, because there was an earlier collection that I've got that's in black and white. Um, and it's just great. And it's just, you know, obviously we know there is going to be a Bill and Ted 3. 
um, yep. which I think is going to be great from everything I've heard about it. I really think it's it's good, but I would quite like to see some of the stuff that Evan Dorkin did in that Marvel comic turned into a film. And it was really just me trying to think of something that you didn't know was a Marvel comic, which I think I've I've succeeded at. Yeah, you de- you definitely succeeded in that criteria. Reese, are you going to fall uh, the first hurdle? Uh, okay, no. I, I, so it, during that, listen, Sam, I'm sure what you just said was really great and interesting. During that period, <laughs> I walked over to my like little comic corner in my my room. I'd love it if just, you picked the same thing as me. <laughs> no, I just I, I heard vaguely what you're talking about. I was just looking for comics that maybe Joe would know. And I, yeah. I, I mean, I have one. I mean, I, there's only one here I think that would count. Um, but I, I think it would make a good TV show if that's all right. Sure, that's fine. Okay, it's a um, Seb. Do you know it's a comic called Zero by uh, written by Alice Cott? I have not read it. I've heard of it. Uh, it's from Image. I only have the first two volumes. I haven't really read the whole thing. But um, actually, I think I, th- I remember thinking it was amazing when I read it. it it's sort of it's a bit like. Um, it's like it sort of starts as a James Bond kind of analog, um, but then then and each issue is also has a very very different, uh, very diverse art style, and also jump they, each issue sort of jumps around in time a bit, but is is a specific commission from this for this James Bond type sort of spy. Um, but then you you know you zip back to him as a kid and him in training, and you kind of zip forward to him as an old man. And then about in like about midway through the second volume of this comic. You know, because there's also there's sort of you know genericy James Bondy spy storylines that are going through, and then in the second volume you kind of it gets a bit Cthulhu-y, it gets a bit like Alien Invasion Cthulhu-y, but in a way that is quite philosophical in a way, and I I think it would make a really good TV show. You you know every episode because again that because because there's a different artist for every issue, every every issue is very stylistically um, distinct. So you could do a show where every episode. It's telling us, uh, you know, a bit like almost a bit like Atlanta in some ways. It, every issue, it would, every episode would be telling a, you know, a specific kind of mission for this guy, but from different different parts of his career, um, and would be stylistically different to to the others. Uh, and as you go along, as the season progresses, it sort of some uh, weirdness kind of creeps in, and it all gets a bit Cthulhu-y. And I think it would make a good show. Boom. Very interesting. I'm going to uh, withhold my judgment until we've done the second pitch. Um, guys, I'm going to play you Andrew's pitch so you can listen to it now. And uh, obviously we'll uh, input it in actual high quality for our listeners to listen to. Uh, so this is the pitch that Andrew sent in. Uh, and what I wanted was um, a Batman movie with a year in the title. It could be any year. Um it could be Batman 1066 or 2932. Uh, let's see what Andrew came up with. My pitch is for Batman 1222, which immediately when Joe mentioned, oh, you've got to put a year in the title, it reminded me of a comic I read ages ago called uh, Batman Dark Knight Dynasty, which is, it actually takes place over three different time frames. Um, so there's a, a past, present and future version of Batman in some form. So he's Sir Joshua Rain, Wayne, Sir Joshua Wainwright in the past, in a medieval past, 1222. Um, the regular Batman in the present, and then there's a, a dark future version in the year 2500. And I wouldn't want to do that time-jumpy story by switching protagonists, although there's a certain sort of Assassin's Creed quality to doing that. But I, a medieval Batman for some reason, continues to appeal to me. So the only thing I'm nicking really from the comics is 
that first third with this gorgeous artwork of of a of a knighted bat symboled Batman in armor. There's something that really works about that in the imagery of the comic, which uh, is worth tracking down for that rather than actually the story, which is kind of a bit. It's about a guy called Vandal Savage who tries to get hold of gold and he's got a thing about immortality and a, a meteor that's going to impact the earth and uh, anyway um so instead looking for a villain for that kind of story and actually most of batman's villains don't adapt to the medieval era particularly well because they're mostly created by things like mad science and actually it doesn't feel like that that's much more of a sort of victorian idea but actually i i thought you might be able to take killer croc which is supposed to be something that began as a as a disease. And if you're looking at, at that kind of period, you can at least have things like plague superstition and stuff going on. So actually the idea that, that Killer Croc's been created, and it's essentially a George and the Dragon image at that point, where you've got a knighted Batman in armour and a, a green lizard creature, something like that. So I don't know where it goes. I have no plot for it because, well, we were doing the podcast for Batman Forever and plot didn't seem upmost in my mind. Um... But that's my pitch, Batman twelve twenty two. Uh, Seb, you you essentially what you have there, you have a man who works on scripts professionally to come up against, and <laughs> that sounded like even though he hadn't fleshed out the plot for it, sounded um, pretty compelling visually. A medieval Batman fighting a plague ridden Killer Croc. I <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm on board on paper. Um, I'm going to say Batman 1976. Um, the 1970s were a really good time for Batman comics. It was kind of when they pulled back after the excesses of the 60s, which are, well, 50s more, but 50s and 60s, which are great in their own way, but it got a bit... By the time the Batman TV show came along, the comics had been doing the silly stuff for quite a while longer, and they were quite moribund by the end of the 60s. Um, the 70s was where they kind of got re-reinvented as the kind of... Um, very much street level Gotham detective thriller type stuff. And it's also where you got the introduction of like Ra's al Ghul and stuff like that. You had the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, uh, later in the decade, the uh, Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers stuff. And Batman just fits really well and I think hasn't really been done yet in movies as that really kind of stripped back, simple, here's a guy kind of fighting the tide down on the streets in Gotham, driving a Batmobile that is literally just like a blue car, um, you know, and I just think that could be combined with the style of mid to late 1970s, you know, kind of Scorsese, All the President's Men, that type of movie um, to create that feel of a, a kind of, gritty but intriguing 70s detective drama with Batman at the centre of it. Reese, was that what you were going to pitch? Yes. No, of course not. No. Uh, I, I love that Seb thought it could have been. No. Okay, here's, I, here's, it's just... Well, because you're, you're a movie guy, Reese. I would have thought you would look to movies and try and place Batman in the context of movies. Here's what I'm going in... I'm Here's my idea. It's Maybe, maybe it's because I mean, just talked about Zero, which is all about like... American Army, CIA, whatever, that sort of stuff. Batman 2003. And <laughs> basically, <laughs> it's, it's, it'd be like an updated. Which, I mean, given um, that we've just been Seb, talking about the current run of Batman written no, by know, a former counterterrorism CIA Seb, agent. Seb, what, you've been do you just did that Nightfall um, 
uh, podcast episode. Which is the one where? Which is the third one where Batman takes down as uh, as Azrael? Which is the uh, last night's at night's end? Is the okay. It'd be like a night's end sort of update. Idea would be that in in uh, in September 11th in the DC universe in this story, there's some sort of 9/11 equivalent, and then and then it's uh, it's Dick, it's uh, it's Nightwing who kind of goes a bit crazy and goes out to try and solve these issues, but goes a bit too far, Azrael style. And then Dick it's Grayson Bruce, goes make Dick that, Cheney. No, could, that, that can't, that can't, Dick Grayson wouldn't do that. Can we make it Jason Todd? Jason Todd, fine, sure. That A Robin goes a bit too far off the deep end, uh, and, and and it's the story is Batman trying to, you know, sort of bring him back to the way of the the correct way of the Batmanness. But it'd be like a it'd be like a bit of a nine eleven. Green, uh, green Zone, Zero Dark Thirty types. If you want to bring in the movies, type story with Batman, it, but it's it's basically like a Batman Batman versus Robin story set in a post nine eleven uh, setting. There we go. Fine. Do you know what I, I I I liked that a lot more than I thought I was going to do when you started <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm not sure it would be massively politically correct or like. I'm not sure that audiences would fully embrace the the kind of the inherent concepts there. But there's um, stuff there's stuff in all of the Nolan Batman's, or at least uh, the Dark yeah. Knight in particular, that, that is that's loaded with that sort of imagery, right? There's that famous shot from maybe it begins of him like sort of in the in the just as the as the dawn's coming up of him looking across the the you know the the city in in destruction. That's very it's very evocative. There's lots of very evocative. 9/11 imagery stuff in those movies, uh, but also you want to you're going to want to stay clear from that. I haven't read it, but said maybe you have that Frank Miller kind of 9/11 uh-huh. Batman comic. What's Hol- it called? Right, Hol- Holy Terror Holy Batman. Terror. It, yeah. it ended up not being a Batman comic. He pitched it for oh, that's years right. as yeah. this is going to be uh, my you know my my next chapter in my Batman stories is Batman goes and fights Al Qaeda. Right. Uh, but eventually DC just wouldn't touch it with a ten foot barge pole. Uh, so it was actually published in 2011, um, and it was about the the character was called the Fixer instead, <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just basically about a guy going and killing a load of uh, Islamic terrorists. Wow! Right, I've got some di- difficult decisions to make. Um, let's start out with this one, the Batman one. Um, do you know what? You know, sometimes we get lots of pitches, then and we're like, oh, need to need to pick one by default. They're all pretty good, but I mean. You're going against a professional, you guys. Medieval Batman? Yes, please. Uh, so Andrew, Andrew wins that pitch. Um, and then the second pitch, I'm torn because I, I feel like Seb's answer is clearly pretty strong, but they're already making it. So, and also, Seb, I feel like it goes against your core values of original concepts and... Reese oh, was pitching something fresh, <laughs> uh, but Andrew was pitching something that's already been a thing, and yet you you gave him the win there. So oh I mean, yeah, I, no, but I, and, look, if, and, if I'd Andrew known that was on the table, <laughs> I, 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 I could have pitched Gotham by Gaslight. You know, I mean, if it, if it sways the win for me, Joe, I, I'm I'm actually just thinking about that comic that I already pitched that I haven't finished. I've thought about it so positively that I'm going to now buy the third volume on Amazon right now, probably. Like, oh, amazing! So that's really um, um, if that's going to swing, yeah. I think it's. A, I think more, it's a show. Is it more or less than a one month subscription to CBS All Access? Oh, it's probably more. <laughs> it's probably more. <laughs> Seb, have you ever lost two pitches on the same episode before? <laughs> 
No, I, but sure. I know the only reason you've done this is to give the, the opportunity for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I was hit by a bus, so I need the—I do need the victories at the moment. I do. <laughs> Listeners, that is a true thing that happened. It's true. Yeah. It's true. The elephant in the room all the, all this episode, but mm. Reese got hit by a bus a couple of weeks ago and lived to tell mm. the tale. He is, or, or did Willis he? We were talking about M Night Shyamalan mm. earlier. Oh, that would be a great twist at the end of the episode. Reese is actually dead. <laughs> Reese was the bus. <laughs> the, we've just stitched together this the third of the dialogue from just old old episodes of Reese. He did die a week and a half ago. This has got well, dark. Yeah, got that's, if, if anyone needs to swing it. Reese got hit by a bus, so Reese wins that pitch. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that is it for this week's episode. Um, uh, listeners, you can find um, all of our recent episodes. We- we've had lots of guests uh, on recently. We're going to have another guest next week because it's a Pixar episode. So um, James will not be with us. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we've we've obviously we've had the. Uh, Caroline and Andrew have both been on the last couple of episodes where we've done Men in Black and Batman Forever. Uh, Seb, you were joined by uh, David on for the uh, Nightfall bonus episode. Yeah, although that was actually like it's an old episode, an old, <laughs> an old page, an old Patreon one that we've put out in the live feed. And then Caroline and I did a special July Fourth Independence Day episode, um, which I apologise if I um, angered any of the hardcore fans out there because it's not based on a comic book property. But we got a few requests and we couldn't resist. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully you're enjoying all of that. Um, and so, yeah, lots lots of content out there. Lots of great content from Cinematic Universe out in the world right now. Um, you know, do it, do it. I feel like doing our bit for the comic book movie nerds in the UK who are not being given <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp right now. At least we're doing our part. Um, but yeah, if you are enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. Uh, you can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter at cine underscore verse, or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. It's coming home. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.